Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. We've got a lot of fruit around this place. (laughs) We've got a lot of fruit. There's all kinds of different varieties to choose from. Some of us like fruit of any kind. Some of us are, are a little more particular. Some of us choose to stay away from that altogether. Some people have already joined in partaking in the fruit, and others of us are a little more, a little more hesitant, wondering if, if it's really intended for us. And for those of you wondering if I'm being literal, talking about the, the different fruit tables that we have around the room, or metaphorical, it's both. We have some seriously incredible fruit on the metaphorical side. I am astonished at the the numerous ways the the fruit of God's people just proves itself unblushingly evident time and time again. Some of you are tremendous givers, ensuring that through your sacrifice and your faithfulness, the mission and the ministries of the church can be faithfully provided for and flourishing. Some of you are tremendously bearing fruit in using this weekend service as like your own greeting extension. I heard a couple of weeks back of people that even prepare business cards for these services just so that they can extend a friendly welcome to people, say hi, just bearing spiritual fruit. Others of you are bearing fruits in our schools, teachers, administrators, counselors, and no more important time for us to have men and women of God in our schools. Some of you are doing this in our hospitals bearing fruit amidst the truly good, bad, and ugly. Some of you are bearing fruit among your business professional teams. Some are bearing fruit as facilitating a homeschool. Some of you are bearing fruits in our banks or in childcare, stay-at-home moms and dads, students. We have tremendous fruit Tremendous passion and energy going across this nation and across the world with the energy from the youth, bearing fruit. There is fruit all over the place, and we could go on and on and on. And some of you are a mixture of different kinds of fruit, like a big, colorful fruit bowl. Remember that Sunday when Pastor John called me a big fruit bowl? (laughs) Here's what I long for you. I long for this church to be filled with fruit in spiritual greenhouses. That's our message. That's what we're gonna talk about today because that's where this passage, Mark chapter four, verses one through 20, takes us. It's one of the most remember or memorable, one of the most often quoted passages in scripture, kind of because it's like faith 101. It's what might be covered on day one of, of Christian basics. And by the way, if you have Bibles or Bible apps, and just to give you some time to open to Mark chapter four, verse one, speaking of Christian basics and and church basics, I wanna extend a big invitation to what we call summit class. If you you don't know what summit class is, I'll get there in a moment, but I actually wanna first talk to those of you who do know what summit class is. You've heard this announcement before. 
And I want to just ask for 30 seconds of your focus, and then you can go back to ignoring me for the rest of the preaching time. We've taken our, our summit class, and we've kind of consolidated it down at this Timberline-Windsor campus to one single class. The Sunday after Easter, that's the 16th, we're going to facilitate summit class where we'll start from 11.30 to noon with pizza. So much to talk about food today. You're going to be ready for lunch. Um, 11.30 to noon, we're going to facilitate pizza. And then with childcare provided, we're going to take 90 minutes to dive into some of the most common questions you want to know. Who are we as a church? What's the history? What's the philosophy behind core values? Things we've heard that you want to know from your church. We'd love to take you on that journey. So summit one, summit class, uh, 11.30 to 1.30, including a lunch and childcare. Put that on your calendar. We'd love to see you there. Okay, so where is all this talk about fruit and, and spiritual greenhouses coming from? What's made John go so thematic this morning? Well, it's all found in Mark chapter four. Here we go. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell along rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. When it comes to teaching, sometimes people can get kind of stuck in the rut of their preferences. Some people don't like more topical, like everyday-oriented teachings. They like kind of the good exegetical or verse-by-verse or verse kind of teaching, and, and I can resonate with that. That's, that's how I kind of resonate with truth, going deeper. But, but Jesus modeled all kinds of teaching models. And so we can have our, our teaching preferences, what engages us, but just make sure we're not getting too legalistic about it, like that's the only way teaching can be, be valid. Jesus taught in all kinds of models. And you know what? Many of us have heard this parable before. And actually, not only that, but we've heard what it all means. And the reason for that is not just because it's so encompassing and foundational like I talked about earlier, but if you keep reading through this passage, if you don't stop where I stopped, and keep reading through the next few verses, you're gonna see this passage preaches itself. Jesus, we get a behind the scenes kind of moment where he is telling those, here's what that all just meant. Here's that really applies. The passage basically preaches itself. Well, most of it, at least. Let's keep going. And Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive 
and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should be forgiven. All right, that part's gonna need some explanation. If you have your Bibles, this is why we encourage you to bring that and engage in it because what you will see that you may not have seen on the screens is that the author, the writers, or the scribes have indented that last section, made it clear to us as we're visibly looking at this that Jesus isn't just saying that outright. He's quoting something. In fact, we know what he's quoting. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, 9 through 10. And it can leave us scratching our head going, wait, Jesus, are you intending to teach things that people can understand or not? And what's with that last part about lest they should turn and be forgiven? Like we said, Jesus isn't just teaching this outright. He's quoting something. He's quoting Isaiah. He, we are reading right here a saying of Jesus that was originally written in Aramaic from about 2,000-ish years ago. And then he, in turn, is quoting something written centuries before that that was originally written in Hebrew. So across all that time and different language barriers, there's a decent chance we might be missing something in the translation. So what is the intent here? And I want us to put this up on the screens and actually leave it on the screens for quite a long while because I want it to sit with us. Jesus' teaching and parable exists in twofold purposes. One, revealing truth for those who receive it. And two, revealing incompatibility with those who refuse it. All of this is related. All this talk about soils and seed and fruit and a parable about parables. Because God's whole word is a great mystery to be explored. You and I are supposed to be explorers and adventurers in this. And whenever we come across things that aren't just simple statements of fact, but kind of make us twist our head a little bit and squint our face and kind of go, what? What did I just read? We're supposed to dive deeper in that. We're supposed to adventure, kind of like we're digging in a great pile of dirt and, and all of a sudden our shovel hits something metal. We go, there's... There's something good down there. I don't understand what it is. I can't see it right now, but there's something good that we gotta take some time and dig because a treasure has been planted there for us to encounter. And God loves that. God loves when his people encounter things that we don't understand and we kinda sit there and, and lean in a little bit and go, now what is, what is that that I just saw? God loves his people to be explorers, to hunker down and dive deeper into his word. What am I seeing here? God especially loves when, when his people come to him, when we read something and just don't go, that's, that's crazy. But in prayer and calling upon the Holy Spirit, we say, God, help me understand this. He loves it when his people come back to him for understanding. Because in this parable, we see a difference. There are those that will come back to Jesus, we'll see this in just a moment, and they will come back to him and say, what was that all about? And then there are those that, that receive that parable and in confusion or frustration or just letting it fly right over the top of their heads, they just go, yeah, I don't know what that is all about, and they go on. 
It's to those that come to him for understanding. Kind of like if he were teaching right now, those that, that didn't just walk out immediately after the service go, terrible, man, I didn't, I didn't get that. It's those who, who linger and say, hey, what was that all about? I need to, to lean in a little bit more. God loves that as the Holy Spirit gives us that kind of enlightening as Pastor Brent was talking about last week. And I think here's a test for us to kind of go, is, is my life one of those leaning in for God to give me understanding, or am I one of more of those people that just wants the kind of easy, low-hanging fruit, just I want what I want when I want it? Here's a good test for us. If you've ever been praying over something that's a serious decision in your life or saying, I'm gonna study God's word to decide how I feel or think about this, here's the test. Do those times ever change our mind or our perspective? Do we ever encounter God's truth and go, that's different than how I originally thought about it? Or do we just say, I'll pray about it, I'll study God's word about it, and that's kind of just code for, I'll pray about it, telling God how I feel about it, and I just assume that he'll come with me in my perspective. Back to the point here, Jesus' teaching in parables is revealing his truth to those who say, I really do want your understanding about this. It's not computing for me. I wanna know if I am personally receiving this or not. And we'll get to how do we know? Because that's the question a lot of us are asking with this parable. Well, how will I know if that's the soil of my heart? We'll get to that in a second. But, but these two outline points are staying on the screens in front of us because they are why the teachings of Jesus can't be received by people without faith in him. Jesus never, ever intends to just be a good teacher. Jesus never intends that he's gonna say some things and people will just, sounds good. Man, that's, that's good stuff. I accepted it face value. And never turn to him in faith. I'll take Jesus as a good teacher, a good model for life, and leave him at that. You can't take the value system and the truth claims and the spiritual and ethical lines that Jesus drew apart from faith in him. It's incompatible, it won't last. Jesus may start as just a good man for you, but he can't ever just stay that way. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. A good man doesn't say that. An egotistical tyrant says that. No one can come to God except through this guy right here. Unless he's actually God, a mere good man would never say that. No society, no nation, no life that is merely founded on Christian principles stays that way apart from faith in him. It's incompatible. You know why? Jesus made it that way. It would be deceitful if he allowed for people to just walk away with his principles but forget the whole point that they all intended to point back to him for salvation. 
He never intends that people just take the good biblical teachings and go on with their own life because then they remain distant from God. He doesn't just want to make people and societies comfortable. He wants them to know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. At this point in his ministry, already in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is very popular. He's got the crowds. We saw that back in verse one of this chapter. And he wants to make sure, Jesus is speaking in parables because he wants to make sure to that whole crowd and this whole crowd that there is a definitive binary, like either or, response to him. Accept or reject. Because fandom without full acceptance, is not following him on his terms. And in love, he doesn't want to fool people that getting excited about the crowd and the principles is enough. If that's all you take from Jesus, you missed it. He doesn't just desire to be a good man, a good teacher. He desires for you to acknowledge him as Lord. It was true for this crowd and it's true for us. I desire for you to come back to me. Seek me for understanding. Faith in him, forgiveness, and salvation, and even bearing fruit as we're about to explore comes from Jesus and him alone. And even his disciples struggled to get that. <laughs> so if you've ever been on the spiritual struggle bus and you've been wrestling with God a bit and somehow thinking that that leaves you in the struggling, rejecting category? Not so. Jesus' own disciples struggled with him. John Mel struggles with him. Even when we think we won't. Even when we think we got it. Fast forward a bit, just in your minds. You don't have to go there in your Bibles. To chapter 14, verse 27. Because in the hours leading up to his crucifixion, amongst his followers, his closest followers, Jesus tells them, you will all fall away from me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And then our buddy Peter, many of us like Peter, we can relate to Peter, the boneheads in the room. Um, he comes up to Jesus and, and amidst this whole group, he goes, hey, if they all betray you, I won't, I got this. Makes me wonder how I feel if I'm one of the other 11, like, who are you? Like, what are you thinking? And, and by the way, if you've read forward in this story before, how does that braggadocious claim end up with Peter? He denies him and rejects him hard. Three times, increasingly dramatically. And that kind of rejection is not ultimate rejection. My kind of rejection is not ultimate rejection. Your kind of rejection, when you find yourself struggling and wrestling with the truth of God in your life, does not have to be ultimate rejection. Just make sure it doesn't take root. Just make sure it doesn't last and linger and start to grow like a weed in your soul. 
There's that soil root theme again. So let's get back to the rest of the passage. Verse 13. And Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear the word, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus is the sower. He's the dispenser of the word, of God's will. He's how all of this can make sense and bear fruit. And he's not a clumsy sower, like this seed kind of fell everywhere and it's because he just wasn't careful. He's a generous sower. God's word is evident for all kinds of soils to receive it. Hence why concealment, Jesus' purpose as concealing things, isn't consistent with his mission at all. And with this parable, he teaches that there are three ways to fail to yield fruit and three fruit-producing soils. So let's take a closer look. Three ways to fail to produce fruit. The first one is never allowing germination. Rejection. This is serious stuff. Those that outright reject Jesus. They are under the influence of the evil one. The deceiver. The one who is hell-bent on opposing God and he will take anyone and everyone he can with him. He comes to steal and kill and destroy and he can do it so easily in the lives of people that just outright reject the truth of Jesus. Serious stuff. May we never find our souls in the condition where we are outright rejecting Jesus. And may we pursue hard in love in those around us that are. Second way to fail to yield fruit, no roots. Receiving it, but only superficially. A short-lived, emotionally driven acceptance of Jesus. There's the moment of, I got it. I accept Jesus in their life. But when the rubber meets the road, or, or as Jesus says, when their faith starts to cost them something, rather it's because, whether it's because their, their values or their actions need to change, and now it's gonna cost them to change, or persecution comes, it all withers. Maybe Jesus had in mind the fickle crowds or, or the people that would come to him excited and joy-filled because the show was gonna be amazing. And maybe he's gonna heal me of this need that I have or maybe get a lunch because I'm hungry. But I'm not here for following him. 
I'm here for the show. I'm here as long as it's feeling good to me. Received, but then withers. Well, that can be kind of scary because how do I know if I'm the superficial-like soil that receives it with joy, but then it's gonna wither away, or if I'm the, the real deep, true kind of soil, how do I know? That is a tremendous question. And it's a question we should be asking ourselves over and over and over again. And it has to do with, with growing roots. It has to do with allowing ourselves to take God's word and allow it to change us enough that, that when the trials do come and faith is gonna start costing us something, we're looking a lot more like him and a lot less like us. One more way to fail to produce fruit, overcome by weeds, distracted. We have to be constant spiritual gardeners because the weeds don't stop. I love landscaping and yard work. I love getting involved in this, but, but there is one part of my yard where I've got rocks on either side of our house. And I'm telling you, I could spend an entire day or a weekend just, just picking up the weeds or, or spraying anything green that I see. And I'd invite you over to my house the next day and I'd, I'd show it off just going, look at my weedless existence pristine back here. And two days later, what happens? There, there's a weed. There's a weed. And within three days, it's basically Jumanji back there all over again. That's the world we live in. That the cares of the world, the desires of the world are going to constantly grow up. And please hear me. This isn't necessarily bad things. The desires of the world, the cares of the world, things, parenting, hobbies, careers, entertainment, things that you and I can and frankly should be involved. But if they get to the point that faith is now priority six or seven on our list, faith's on the back burner. These things are what takes out my time. They're choking out the fruit God wants to yield. They're things of the world. We have to constantly be checking that. Okay, so now let's, let's turn to the three fruit-bearing soils. You got three kinds of soil that, that is not gonna yield the fruit that God wants, and then there's three fruit-bearing soils. Here they are, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I've given a bunch of outline blanks, so I'll give it a rest for now. <laughs> These soils aren't resistant to the truth. These soils aren't shallow in receiving the truth. These soils aren't distracted when it comes to allowing this truth to, to make a change in our hearts and our lives and our actions. They're fruitful, each of them. And any agriculturally minded person in here is gonna hear that and go 30-fold yield, 60-fold yield, 100-fold yield, that's not natural to fruit yielding. No. There's, there's plants that fail to yield fruit for whatever reason, and there's miraculous yielding. Those are the options. 
There are lives of God's people who, for whatever reason, struggle to yield fruit and those that yield it miraculously. And, and in case you're someone going, well, well, wait, I haven't seen any miraculous yielding of fruit in my life yet. You haven't allowed God to finish your sentence. He is in the business of doing miraculous yielding of fruit in your life. Well, how can I make sure to maximize the kind of yield that God wants to do in my life? That is a tremendous question, and it has to do right here. Constantly abide in the word. Constantly allow his word to take root in your life. Study it, join studies about it, study it personally, pray over it, especially when you find those verses that are hard to understand. There's treasure there. How do I make sure God can yield the maximum amount of fruit he wants in my life? It has to do with his word. And by the way, next time you see somebody that it looks like fruit is just pouring out of their life, like everywhere they turn, there's just Miracle after miracle. They're, they're one of those hundred-fold yields. Next time you see the person like that, let me, let me teach you this. They're not a spiritual superhero. In the words of today's passage, they are receiving the word. They're engaging in the things God cares about. They're opening their hearts in the way God is guiding them. That's why they're yielding fruit. Don't get jealous. Don't play the comparison game. God's the one that yields the fruit, sometimes 30-fold, sometimes 60-fold, sometimes even more. So how can I practically get the soil in my life tilled up enough that it can grow the most kind of fruit? Well, for starters, unashamedly, every week, it's our thing here. This is why connections, studies are so important. This is why we wanna keep it in front of you as both an invitation and a constant reminder. Connections, studies are so important because they are spiritual greenhouses. This is one last outline point. I couldn't, couldn't help myself. Connections, studies are so important because they're spiritual greenhouses. These are the places in the life of the church where as you heard from Chris Bowers earlier, this is where we're, we're encountering the word in some form. We're hearing it. And alongside others, because we're doing it alongside others, we're allowing it to, to form us and take root in our life and then produce fruit, tangibly changing us. This is where we see it happening. I have friends that are gonna share some pieces of their stories their connections soil in their life on Good Friday because those are spiritual greenhouses where we're seeing growth and fruit. And we'll keep inviting you deeper into connections each and every week. And even those of us who have been a part of connections before, we need to turn our focus from, okay, I'm here, I'm in it, to how can I be inviting someone else alongside me in this? Because a fruit-bearing plant is also a seed-bearing plant. We also see fruit in our volunteer opportunities, like the hundreds of people that it takes to make this place tick on a weekly basis. As I said at the very beginning, incredible fruit. 
And we also see fruit and ministry opportunities. And I've got two coming up this next week that I need you to know about. And the first is baptism. If you're someone new to faith, new to a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're at a spiritually pivotal point in your life, publicly professing that, publicly sharing that on Easter Sunday may be a tremendous act of fruit bearing for you. And if you're somebody that's new to Jesus, it's a command that he gives his people to publicly share that this is a definitive moment. I am a follower of Jesus. So we've got baptism class next Sunday at 5 p.m. If you have questions about baptism, if you're interested in being baptized on Easter Sunday, we'd love to have you there. And secondly, is something I'm, I'm still kind of in awe about, why we get this opportunity, but we do. And it's a program called Families Care. It's stemming from an organization, a ministry called Project 127. Next week, we're gonna have the president of Project 127, Shelly Radich, here with us for Orphan Care Weekend. And we're gonna do something that we normally don't do at Timberline, which is we're gonna have different missions engagements shared at different campuses. And I'm gonna tell you why we're gonna do that. Because Weld County is one of only three counties in our entire state that is open to this Families Care program that we're gonna hear about next week. And you'll hear all about it next week, but in summary, Families Care takes vulnerable families in our community, families that have been identified as struggling for, for whatever reason, and before it elevates to the point where the youth may need to be removed from the home, Families Care matches a group of people from a local church with this family for a year. It says, we're gonna come alongside of you. We're gonna partner with you. We're gonna make things maybe just a little easier so that hopefully those kids never have to enter the foster care system in the first place. And I don't know why it's our county that is uniquely open to this compared to other counties or why we have this opportunity at such a time as this. But just think, if we can make a difference in the lives of families where, where they were at risk, they were vulnerable, and we came alongside of them as the church, what kind of difference might that make? What kind of legacy-changing impact might that have? What other churches or other counties may see what's going on and say, we want a piece of that? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold type yields. Now, if it's seeming like there's there's announcements and ministry invitations scattered all over this message. That's because each of those is a unique opportunity for someone to bear fruit, for someone to say, yeah, baptism, that's me. And the cares of the world may distract you or, or want to pluck that away or say, do it some other time, or foster care, or, or whatever God may be calling you to. But this is an opportunity where there may, may be soils of all different kinds around us. And surely, many of us would be like the apostles sitting around the Last Supper table thinking, surely, Jesus, it, it, mine's the good soil, right? Well, he gives us this, his word, and he gives us this, the people of the church, for us to be deciding that and re-deciding that over and over and over. And I want to pray about that. Would you join me? 
God, first and foremost, we don't want to move on another moment. If there is a person hearing this right now that, that walked in here or clicked on this link and, and they had that hard, resistant soil of a soul to you, for whatever reason, the cares of the world have plucked it away, they've been hardened from church or the message of Jesus, but something today is softening their heart. Something in this gospel message of a God that accepts us just as we are and refuses to leave us that way, loves us so much that says, I died for you. I paid the price of the separation between us and all I need for you to do is not accept my teachings, but accept me as Lord and Savior. And God as we heard before, that person does not need to clean up their act in order to, to come to you. They can come to you right now and accept that. Our response to you, Jesus, is binary, either or. Accept or reject. And for any heart that needs to accept that, God, I pray that you would do that miracle and that they would say the simple words out of their soul. Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Miracle producing fruit right there. And God, we also pray for those of us in our lives that, that need you to yield fruit. Maybe it's we need you to help us discern what in our lives is, is choking out the, few, the fruit that you want to yield. What cares of the world is just causing us to be distracted from living the kind of life faithful and abundant like you've called us to. Maybe for somebody it is the step of baptism or it is something in family's care as we're gonna hear about next week or it's something entirely different, but whatever it is, God, may we pay attention to the unique and powerful ways that you are stirring your people to respond to your calling. 1 Corinthians 3.6 tells us Man may plant and water, but it is God that gives the growth. If you're doing that in lives, God, we say yes and amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.